Welcome to Mindful Mommies Now, the lactation series, part five, day two of being a parent. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cashin. I'm an RN and an IBCLC with over 20 years of experience helping families in a large teaching hospital. Thanks for joining me again as we continue to describe what to expect after a healthy delivery of a baby at 38 weeks or more. Day two, or the 24-hour period after day one of life, is an incredibly important day of learning for you and your baby. At this point, I'm going to just let you know I've gone off my script, as you might say. Um, I'm new to doing podcasts. I wanted to find a way to, to communicate with um, new moms and their families in a different way. And when it came to doing this podcast, I just felt that I needed to talk more naturally the way I would if I were meeting you in the hospital. Because day two of your baby's life, it's probably the most pivotal time for you both to really understand what breastfeeding is going to look like and to make sure that you're on the right path and you have a plan for getting your questions answered as the days go on. So if you listen to the last episode, I talked about day one being a day that tends to be um, a sleepy day for a baby and a time for mom, baby, and mom's partner to get used to how to hold a new baby, how to do things that just feel awkward, you know, until you get used to holding a baby and moving a baby around. And there's not a lot of real worry about getting things perfect on day one when it comes to breastfeeding. And um, you start to kind of work the kinks out as the first 24 hours starts to come to a close. And so the goals for the first 24 hours would be the baby has had a wet diaper, at least one. The baby has had a bowel movement, Um, at least one, maybe more. More is great. One of the things I mentioned earlier or in the last episode would have been colostrum or early milk, which you've had throughout the pregnancy. The point of the baby nursing in the very beginning is to receive colostrum and the colostrum to work like a laxative bowel movement should be the result. So let me just stick with that for a second. The point of the baby having the bowel movements early, they're thick, black, tarry, they're called meconium. That stool that's been in the baby's colon during um, her fetal life, and it's meant to be purged as fast as possible. That's part of why the meconium, or part of why the, the early milk works as a laxative, push that poop out fast. So early milk isn't meant to fill up a hungry baby. Literally in the first 24, 48 hours, we don't yet have a hungry baby the way we think of hungry. We have a baby who has a very tiny stomach and a colon full of stool. And that stomach, very, very small, like the size of a cherry, it's not a hungry stomach. It's a stomach that probably still has um, some amount of old amniotic fluid, maybe some traces of old blood from delivery. So the first 24 hours, very normal for a sleepy baby to also be a kind of gaggy and spitty baby. So clearing out what's been sitting down in that stomach before feeding the baby, good idea. So 
as you have a baby who's more awake and alert moving through the first 24 hours, that baby, you know, would benefit from being held and burped to kind of clear the way so that a feeding might go a little bit more positively and your early milk goes in, stays down, pushes poop out, okay? So by the end of the first 24 hours, we hopefully have a baby that's more awake and alert, a baby that's peed, pooped a few times, and a mom that feels a little bit more secure in how do I sit this baby up to burp? How do I move this baby around so that I know where the head is and I know where the body is and I know how to bring the baby, baby to me? And then we're moving into the second day. So if you're finishing that first day of your baby's life and the baby is not being more awake, alert, interested in eating so that you feel like, I think I need some more you know, ideas for what to do, what I need to do with positioning, then we need to figure out why. So what to be expected? Day two of the baby's life, a more awake and alert baby who has lots of feeding cues, not sleepy anymore, more interested in eating, hands to mouth, doing all kinds of things that say, I need to learn how to do this. But the baby doesn't know how to do it yet either, just has the idea of what to do. So that's when you both just continue to ask questions about how do I make sure that I know how to bring the baby close enough at the right time and I can get the baby comfortably positioned so that she and I can get a feeding off to a good start. So day two, really critical in not being shy to ask those questions and knowing that it's a powerful learning day for you both. So take advantage of all the time you can in the hospital or the birthing center with your team of people that have the answers and the hands-on you know, help that you need to get those things accomplished. You might hear the term cluster feeding. Uh, it's a word that I know I've used and other people in the hospital that do lactation support will use on day two. Cluster feeding is a term that refers to a baby who really wants to feed and feed and feed, kind of like in clusters with not very long breaks in between. And it does not mean that the baby is not getting enough to eat or that dreaded word starving. Baby's not starving. This is just a more awake, alert baby who is really driven to learn how to do the thing that that baby girl needs to do. And you learn together and you learn by doing something very, very frequently, just like other things that you might've done in your life that took frequency and practice in order to learn how to be confident in doing it the next time and the next time and the next time. So don't let it throw you that on day two, your baby wants to eat all the time. That is what you want. You want that baby to be interested in nursing until that baby has just no spontaneous movement while the baby's at your breast. You have the breast in one hand and you have the baby in the other and you can use breast compression with your thumb to move milk toward the baby so that your baby always learns that I'm here to eat as long as I can, as well as I can, as actively as I can. And you're watching her do that until she is completely passed out asleep. And 
that means she really has to actively feed and then get to that point. So you want her awake to start. She's got flexed little hand, flexed arms and hands, and she's interested in eating, maybe eyes open. And then she goes and goes and goes at the breast until her arms get loose and limp and drop to her side. And you can tell she is passed out. And that's when the feeding might be ended. And if you want to look at a clock and know how long is that, it's going to vary because for every person, every baby, every child, feeding times will vary. But if you want to have an idea for how long it would take to have a good feeding, a really into it active feeding, I would be shooting for at least a good solid 15, maybe 20 minutes or so of the baby from beginning to end, like legitimately feeding. Like you don't have to remind this baby to stay awake and feed. That's a good feeding. And if it's that day two of your baby's life, your postpartum period, during that time, you're going to notice that you feel very, very sleepy very, very thirsty, and you're going to have cramps. Those are good things. Those are the things that your body is doing in response to active breastfeeding. So very, very sleepy, very, very thirsty, and crampy. If it's your first baby, cramps are going to be similar to what like period cramps might feel like. And you might not notice the cramps on the first day or two if you're um, taking pain medication for cramps. It's totally fine, appropriate, not, not a problem for the baby. Um, but you might not really notice it. You might just notice that when you stand up, go to the bathroom, you might gush some blood. That means you've been cramping. Um, if it's not your first baby, if it's your second, third, you know, or beyond, then the cramps are going to be more intense because your uterus has been, you know, stretched to accommodate more than one baby. So cramps are going to be more intense, more painful. Pain medication, again, is appropriate. Heat packs also are helpful, but it's going to be more intense than with your first baby. It's going to be more like an early labor kind of kind of cramp. But keep in mind, you want day two, the baby has peed, the baby has pooped, poops are increasing in number, getting rid of that black poop. And when the baby is eating, you're going to feel sleepy, thirsty, crampy. So you're going to drink when you're thirsty. So you're going to ask for water, ask for water, ask for water, drink when you're thirsty. That happens when the baby's feeding. You're going to feel very, very sleepy that's appropriate. You're going to feel calm, relaxed, and sleepy while the baby's feeding. You're going to wonder, why can't I stay awake while this baby's eating? That's why. It's hormones. You make prolactin and you make oxytocin when your baby is feeding. Those are the hormones of lactation, and they're increasing now, and they're increasing in response to the baby feeding. So feeling crampy and sleepy and thirsty. And the cramps, I already mentioned that. Thirst, you drink. Sleepy, you'll notice that it's happening. That's why you always want to have like a support person with you to help with you and the baby. Um, on that note, here's an aside. While you're pregnant, make sure you know who's going to be able to stay with you to help you either in the hospital or birthing center or at home. Um, whether it's your partner or a family member or a friend, someone who's going to be there to help take care of you so you can take care of your baby. It's not something that you need to do alone. Um, 
throughout time, women having babies have had support people with them to help them so that everybody can stay healthy and work on continuing to be healthy and happy and get the rest when they're able to get rest and have someone else be there to help them with the household and feeding and everything like that. So just on a side. So best case scenario, these are the things that happen on day two. If your baby is not stooling, having those bowel movements, those thick, thick bowel movements, even if it's a 38-weeker or beyond, then what can happen commonly is the baby could become jaundiced. That's when they draw that blood value that's called a bilirubin level. And I mention this because it's not uncommon. It's like eight, over 80% of babies will have jaundice to some degree. If your baby on day two is jaundiced to some degree, they're talking about checking it and looking at lights potentially, that's a sleepy baby on day two, the day that we need a very active baby. So if your baby is being evaluated for jaundice, is sleepy, you're having to wake the baby up on day two, having to keep the baby awake during feedings, then that's a baby that is probably not gonna be giving you the kind of stimulation that your body requires and therefore also not getting the milk into the baby that the baby requires and you start down a path that you don't wanna go down. So if the baby is sleepy and jaundiced, then that's when you'd wanna have a pump that you're using in the hospital on day two because it needs to complement what a sleepy baby is not giving you as far as stimulation. And then any milk that can be collected, you know, when you're pumping needs to be given to the baby on a very regular basis until the baby is more awake and alert, stooling better and feeding well, and you're off to a good start. So I mentioned that because day two, critical period. If you don't have an active baby, you still have to feed the baby, you need stimulation, and you need it very, very regularly. And that's throughout the 24-hour period. So that's every two to three hours. You need to have stimulation, the baby needs to eat. And as each day passes, the baby's gonna need to eat more volume, more regularly, but the goal is a more awake and alert baby because the baby feeds, because the baby then has bowel movements, and then you move into having more of a supply that you know you can count on long-term and an active baby who can remove it very regularly and vigorously. So I mentioned bilirubin in the first 48 hours because it's such a common occurrence. And if it's not addressed by, you know, baby being fed and mom getting good stimulation very early, then that could compromise the supply that you're meant to have over the next days, weeks, and possibly even months. So my goal is not to worry you, but I also want you to be aware. I'm hoping that's part of why you thought of listening to this podcast. So that's the goal of this podcast is to get you thinking about these things for norms. So just to kind of wrap this up, day two of a baby's life, you want or you're hoping for baby at 38 weeks or beyond being very active, alert, wanting to eat all the time for as long as possible, as often as possible on your skin as much as possible so that you both gain as much knowledge as you possibly can so that you can confidently move into day three, which continues 
more feeding, more voids, more stools, and your breasts usually by day three, you're starting to notice that they are fuller and we can all tell that they're fuller, but this baby is helping take care of that fullness so that you're not uncomfortable with that increasing fullness. Okay, that's where I'm going to stop for this one. And I'll hope to see you again. And I will think of more things that I would um, hope will be helpful to you on day three. After day three and four, I'm probably going to start talking to you more about other things that could occur, whether baby comes early or has other issues or you have questions. So join me again, episode six of Mindful Mommies Now, the lactation series. I'm Elizabeth Cashin. Thanks again. Bye.